Welcome in, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Race to the Kingdom vid slash podcast. Uh, Robert and Keith are back with you again. And uh, even though, hey, this is like a Zoom thing, we're so because it's the way we record stuff. This is actually one of the first. This is the first episode that we've recorded where actually Keith is sitting across the desk from me. Uh, so it's really nice. Um, How you doing, Robert? <laughs> it's awesome. I can I can like reach good, across. Look good at to that. see right you, buddy. there. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, um, one of the things you don't know about Keith is that he he really messed up his ankle um, <laughs> a couple of months ago, and uh, so he's been recording this literally from his office, sitting in a chair with his uh, ankle raised up, uh, and. Um, it's a beautiful story that we're going to talk about someday when when it sort of all works itself out in God's way. But so anyway, the woes of a coach and an athlete. Yeah. Yes. Always. All right. So uh, you are a coach and an athlete. I we, stumbled we are, in the race. We are going to talk about whether pickleball is actually a sport. Oh God! <laughs> Don't open up that can. Yeah, come on. We are going to talk about whether, whether old people playing pickleball can be considered a sport. Uh, all right. I wouldn't have 10 years ago. Yeah. All right. So um, so we're going to flip screens for a second. Uh, today we are in the... We're going to start what is currently planned for a single episode, but I think given the... The dynamics of what we're going to talk about today could very well end up being multi-part episodes. So if it appears to you as part one, that's because that as we went down this road, the Spirit called us to deep dive deep into some other stuff, and we ended up taking a lot longer, and we broke it into multiple episodes. So since we're starting this, and while we do have a script, Keith and I have determined that at least until we get better feedback from everybody that this sort of let's see where the spirit takes us as we discuss this uh, and move forward accordingly is really the best way to handle this. And I mean, when I was in high school, I was, I, I, I wasn't an athlete, but I did letter in extemporaneous speaking, which means I studied a lot. And then I went in and got a subject and I just, and I basically had to wing it. And so as I've taught classes through my trade association and things like that, I've always been really well prepared but I've always been really comfortable with winging it. And mm. so mm. to some degree, it's coming through in what we do here today as well. So so we're, we're diving into uh, salvation defined. And I think, Keith, I, I think it's fair to say, Keith, that we're going to cross some subjects and take on some prevailing wisdom, if you mm. will, some prevailing teaching that's really going to probably make some people pretty uncomfortable. Is that is that fair? I think so. I, I think that this is probably our biggest challenge. And so when we look at the, the race to the kingdom, we're going to challenge some theology that has been very historical, very anchored into the church. And we're going to really disrupt that on the salvation road. And so we want to have a, a correct understanding of salvation, of how this plays out in the race to the kingdom. And remember, we're, we're showing everybody what all of these topics look like in light of the backdrop of a race. 
and and how Paul is in particularly has used this understanding of a race in First Corinthians chapter nine, and he states that you know we are all racing for a prize, and this and 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 in this he uses an example, and so he uses the example of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, going into the wilderness, and trying to make it to the promised land, a three-part understanding. And so just like you and I have talked about in our days of uh, coaching, you as a dad, and and me as a university coach, um, and really trying to take a team to the top level, and trying to tell them, you know what, I'm taking you out of your high school and into a college scholarship athletic team. And I am telling you right now that we need to go into strict training. Okay. And during this season, you're going to go into strict training because the goal is to achieve what comes at the end of the season. And we're going to show that in this salvation understanding, there are three parts that actually pertain to salvation. There is a past salvation, a present salvation, and a future salvation. And these are actually placed in those terms in the Bible. And if you don't rightly divide them, which uh, we will kind of show historically, and you can pull up a ton of stuff on this, but historically, when you confuse these different tenses of salvation and apply them only to one particular facet of salvation, you're going to get extremely confused. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're going to approach. That's that, why it makes it dangerous. Right. And I think it's my understanding of a lot of, of what we're going to go through is that, you know, in some ways, it's it's sort of been dumbed down mm-hmm. in a way to, to make it easier for people to 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 grasp or to, to hold on to or to or or to be presented, mm. right? And mm-hmm. in some ways, it's been a wow. If we present this whole thing to everybody, you know, people are going to realize that that it's not easy, and maybe they won't do it mm-hmm. type thing. Is mm-hmm. that? I mean, I think both of those statements are fair, right? Yeah, it's like you and I have always referred to the edge of the coin. You know, some have done it one way, yeah. some have done it the other, and we're trying to show you the narrow path that Jesus told us to race on, to mm-hmm. travel on, and that that path doesn't confuse his teachings. Yeah, you know, right. it, it. You don't have to look at the Bible for yourself and be confused. See look at it as contradictions and and then have to do spiritual aerobics all of a sudden jump into another sport called gymnastics <laughs> and and try to say things that don't make sense when it comes to this which you know we may point out a lot of those misunderstandings sure so i mean it's safe to say i think that that if you've ever asked a question of a spiritual leader and they've come up with an answer that is basically, well, we can't know that, or we, we, you know, we don't understand, or it's a bigger thing that, that they're probably, you've asked a question that, you know, that you wanted to know that you didn't understand, but that probably 
their answer is in conflict somewhere else. That's the reason you had a question, right? And then, and the way that most of the leaders answer that is, well, it's more complicated than 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 that, right? Mm. And really, when you're looking at a couple of passages, and we're going to do this today, and you go, well, this is in, you know, is if you answer this this way, that's in complete contrast or in complete, you know, opposition to what it says later on in the Bible. And one of the things that we, we need to fundamentally establish and what we're we're going to do today is that the Bible and and God is not in contrast to himself. He's not in opposition to himself. Right. Mm. I mean, and, and we're going to take you back guys all the way into the old Testament, all the way into, you know, all the way back to Exodus and, and stuff and show that, the things that happened there, because Paul did it, right, in his letters, that those were all lessons for us, mm. and and that the things that God did to the Israelites as they came out of Egypt are a part of our journey today That's right. as Christians, right, yeah. as disciples of Christ, mm-hmm. right? And if we're missing those connections, if we're not looking at that going, wow, those lessons were important, right? Not just something to sort of spin through in, in, in you know, in Bible study on, on at Sunday school, right? Mm. But that these these principles, ideas, what what the Israelites went through in the wilderness and, and caused themselves to trouble with, and even what they went through as they went into the, and, and went through in the entire Old Testament, are things that we're going through today, mm-hmm. and right, and we, if we if we write those off, if we just say, well, universal justification, Christ died for everything that I'm going to do as a sinner. He knew everything I was going to do in my life and walked away, and died for me so that I could just do it and not be regretful or, you know, not repent in those things. We're not right. It's not correct. Well, let's give a little historical accuracy to this because, you know, you brought up the Old Testament, the idea that, you know, we're one seamless story. The New Testament writers understand the Old Testament. They understand how the New Covenant works. And they're bringing back the examples of how Jesus is fulfilling the Old Covenant. Okay, and the old covenant law. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. Okay, not one jot or tittle. Mm-hmm. Okay, will be taken away from it. And we need to understand how those two marry together. But historically, in you know the age of the church, you come to see that you know predominantly Christianity has been born out of Protestantism and Catholicism, and then. Out of these two, the Protestant side of things and the Reformation that happened against the Catholic view of salvation was born Calvinist view, Armenian view. And we want to say this, that we're, we're, we're speaking about the majority, okay? There's a ton of spinoffs. There are a ton of degrees of Catholicism. There's a ton of degrees of Armenian Uh, denominations. There's a ton of degrees of Calvinist denominations in the Protestant movement and in the Reformation that we just want to stick to the predominant view 
of, of what happened. And so the Catholic view predominantly, the Roman Catholic view, was this view that you had to work for your salvation by, by coming to church, by coming to Mass, by confessing your sins to a priest. You had to keep up your salvation that way. Okay? And if you did not keep it up in the fear of the Catholic Church, that you were then going to spend eternity in hell or a heck of a long time in purgatory. Okay, so that's the predominant view that we're coming from. Mm -hmm. The other view, which is why the Reformation and Martin Luther King and all that had to happen. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther. I mean, Martin Luther, not King, my bad. (laughs) And... We ended up having a, uh, a spinoff of Armenian view of salvation, which was, you know what? The warnings to the church are warnings that you can lose your salvation to heaven and go to hell. Those are real warnings. Absolutely, you can go to hell if you don't measure up to the standard of Christian living. Okay, And then you have the Calvinist view that says, hold on a second. Uh, God is going to elect some to heaven and some to hell. And you're not going to know for sure until the end, but you can tell confidently by your fruits of your life that more than likely you're going to heaven. Or, or you know what, you better gut check yourself because you may not be saved at all and you're going to hell. So this idea... And all their spinoffs, okay, for the churches that you may come out of right now, okay, they've been tainted by one of those three views. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. And very rarely do you come across a kingdom view of what we are trying to deliver to you today, where there is a three parts to salvation. There is a past part of salvation called justification. Mm -hmm. There is a present tense salvation called sanctification. And and by present tense, you also mean ongoing. An ongoing, present, okay, living out our faith. Yeah, there's an ing at the end of it, Mm -hmm. right? There's, we're becoming. Becoming. Something, right? But yet, in the Bible, it's called salvation. Mm -hmm. It's actually the same word in Greek being used. And then you have a future tense of the word salvation, and and again, and that we, would and that would, would will become, and that is will become or right. yeah or will receive, we'll receive and this okay. is glorification, mm-hmm. and so we're going to show you which parts of those belong where, so you're not confused, you're not applying. Right a lot of these to only one type of salvation because that's what happened. That's what happened in all these other theologies is that they took glorification passages or sanctification passages and they applied them to justification passages and they applied it only to heaven and hell. And because of that, you get absolutely bad theology, twisted things, gymnastics working around the way that the clear understanding of passages are saying to you 
And, and so now you've got to say, oh, you know what, that's not to the church, or you know what, we, we just don't understand. You just got to accept right. it by faith. Right. Okay. And, and, and we received a lot of that in, in, you know, my life as I was a Christian and I was arguing with pastors, counselors about certain issues. And, and they just kept saying those same things to me. Well, this is what our denomination believes. Or you just have to accept it by faith. You're not going to know. You're just not going to know. Right? Yeah. You're just not going to know. That's it's right. Just, it's just, there's, there's stuff in the Bible that we just don't understand. That's right. Right. And so, yet, but what has and been revealed stuff has in the been Bible revealed. That we just don't understand, maybe, I guess. You know, I mean, right? I mean, it's, it's been, there's been, there's one book that, that there's probably been millions of books written about, Right. Mm. Uh, you know, scripture, and, yeah. yeah, right. So yeah. we have one book that, very, that hundreds of thousands or millions of books have been written about, and even more, and rightly sermons so. and interpretations and things like mm. that have been made about that. Right, and yet Paul says that the utmost importance is to protect doctrine and to be a worker who rightly divides the word of God. Mm -hmm. And to be approved. That is, that is the job of each one of us. It's the job of each one of us to read these viewpoints and determine for ourselves yeah. which one is more accurate. There's something that came up, and I, I don't want to get, dig into it too deeply, but there was something that, that you had told me that I found really profound, and that was that as you were going through all this learning and, and your, your journey... Mm -hmm. That you had ended up reading hundreds or thousands of books about mm -hmm. the Bible, and at one day there was a, a kind of an aha moment of why don't I actually read the Bible? Yeah, that right? was a uh, <laughs> that was a profound moment in my life where um, you know I had read all books written about the Bible, mm -hmm. and I had read it from a theological perspective and an entertaining perspective. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, and I'm thankful for those books. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm yeah. thankful for those authors. I'm thankful that they had a heart for God. Thankful for the Holy Spirit that was in them. But it, I neglected the Bible. Yeah. I neglected to read it. I neglected to look at the concordance that helps me understand the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic language that it was based in. And I just... Miss, I, I, when I started reading the Bible for myself, Robert, I started to notice that all these other books and all these other preachers and teachers that I was listening to, that they had some major things that were in opposition to some passages that I was reading, and I was confused. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to my path of having to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And so this is the result of that, yeah. is explaining this race of salvation in the backdrop of the gospel of the kingdom. So, you know, and I, the reason I asked Keith to do that was, you know, I want to throw an asterisk in right here where we're at or a footnote or something, basically, and just say, you know, that, listen, guys, if, if the stuff we're saying to you, you know, makes you go, what? I've never heard that before. I've never... Dig into it. We're going to show you yeah, the passages big. as we go through, right? We, yeah. What, what, what 
Keith and I don't want, and this is something that caused me so to, to dig into this myself. You know, I started Bible study with Keith. You know, I've talked about this a little bit. You know, a year ago, and he's like, mm, "Look here," and then look over there, and then look over here. And I think he had a purpose to that as he was mm-hmm. as he was starting to teach me stuff. But you know, but I started reading it, and it, and and I started going, "Yeah, no, that I see that there, and I see this over here, and I see that there." And he's like, "Yeah, what do you think that means? And what do you, you know?" So. And then a while, while back, he showed me the concordance. And, I, and one of the things that I spent a long time uh, praying about and asking other mentors about, and Keith knows this, so I can say this out loud, was, you know, is Keith leading me down a, a path that is wrong? Is he a false prophet? Is he a false teacher? Um, and I asked some, some men that I really respect, you know, I think this guy's right, but I'm new at this. I... I don't have a strong background in in the Bible. I don't have a really strong background in teaching. I know what I know that God talks to me, and I know that it, that I and I've asked for more. And here is this man who's come in and is giving me more. But wow, it's it's there's some stuff here that that is frankly against prevailing wisdom or prevailing teaching. Yeah, prevailing right? teaching is a better word. That's a, yeah, that's why I say yeah, it's not wisdom, <laughs> it's prevailing teaching. Yeah. Right? And and I'm like, and so I dug in. Yeah. And, you know, here we are. So, um, but I want to, the asterisk here, guys, I want you to dig in. Yeah. Right? Go look for this stuff yourself. Go dig into this stuff yourself. You know, challenge you know educate yourself and challenge your teachers yeah. challenge your leaders and say listen i i'm finding this right and you know help me with your ideas about what this is and don't accept we can't know you know um it, it's written in here for a reason and go look for it so anyway i just want to say that so let's dig in. So we're going to start with, we have the, we, we just talked about the three tenses, right? So we're going to start off with the first tense, justification, salvation, justification. Now, before we do that, what I mm-hmm. want to do is I want to remind you of what Paul said about the Israelites and the three parts. So we're going to refer to this again and again, because the three parts of salvation, the first part was them leaving Egypt. So, God made a way Mm -hmm. for them to put blood over the doorposts of their houses, called the Passover, which symbolizes initial salvation. They actually left the kingdom of darkness, which is Egypt, being slaves. They were slaves, just like like the New Testament tells us, we were slaves. Mm -hmm. Slaves unto God unrighteousness, slaves to sin, taken captive by the devil to do his will. This, we needed an understanding that we were sinners and we needed, number one, we needed justification. We needed our sin debt dealt with. And so we needed a Passover lamb in order to pay the sin debt and to get out of Egypt get out of the kingdom of darkness. This is what Jesus Christ provided for us as the Lamb of God. He 
he we're going to go to a verse talking about justification and then that brought them then as the people of god that brought them into the wilderness this is our salvation of sanctification this is the present tense understanding of where we are now in christ mm -hmm. after being justified mm. after placing our faith in him as the lamb of god and now we are on a path of sanctification salvation so yeah and one of the things i love about there's i i, I really am enamored with the story of the wilderness and mm -hmm. exodus and deuteronomy numbers i think it exodus numbers deuteronomy um i love it because it's and i and i've been trying to figure out why i think it's so neat right i mean mm -hmm. it's you know there's a lot of crap in there that mm -hmm. it's really bad for to use it about the bible but there's a lot of stuff in there that's really mm -hmm. hard to read mm -hmm. and things but there's some stuff in there that really enamors me and when we were talking about sort of the pre-episode part of this thing and we were talking about this you, you, about this this idea that that journey, so what happened to the Israelites in the wilderness was that was that they were slaves. They didn't know how to live on their own. They didn't know how to do anything, right? They were told what to do, told where to be, given their food. They were, you know, they, they lived by other people's laws, right? And, and God called them out. He set up with Abraham and Jacob that you're a people who will be different. You will be my people. Mm -hmm. I'm setting you up as a nation, as an example of what God's people are supposed to be, mm -hmm. right? So all of that journey was about, you know, the, the salvation sanctification was about making them God's people. That's what all those rules are about, right? That's what the Ten Commandments are about. And the 630 or whatever it is, other rules that came along with that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Was it wasn't about, hey, I'm a mean, nasty dad, and then you're gonna have to do, you know, exactly what I say. It was about they didn't know. It was about setting boundaries and limitations that we set for our children as they were growing up to make them good kids and make them into good adults, right? Into good humans. That was that same journey that they went on as a sanctification. And it's a journey that then at analogs to the journey that we have as convert as 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 disciples of Christ, right? Well, and so we went over the Great Commission and the, the call to, to become a disciple, mm -hmm. just like an athlete. Mm -hmm. You're on the team. Now it's time to go into training. You have this, this same idea in the law. So as Jesus comes as the Lamb of God, you also have the scapegoat, the sins that of the living goat. He's, he is let loose, has to go through the fires Okay, in Gehenna. Mm -hmm. This is an analogy of the sins of the people being removed. Okay, And this is a process. This is a process called sanctification. It's called being set apart. It's called getting Egypt out of my people. I just took my people out of Egypt, but now I got to get Egypt out of them. My people. Yeah. yeah. And they're my people. Okay. They've been saved by my blood. 
Okay, they didn't have to go through the final judgment that I gave to Egypt. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so I saved my people just like Jesus saved his people. And so his people are those who place their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the blood now covers their sin debt. And now we have a mission to go through the wilderness and grow in our faith and remove the admixture remove Egypt from us, remove the sin nature's power over us yeah. through the work of the Holy Spirit, yeah. which is really important. We're going to bring up the Holy Spirit here in a minute again, mm -hmm. but just remember this. They were on their way to the promised land. The promised land yeah. They were on their way to glorification. Right. They were on their way to being glorified. Mm -hmm. Not a guarantee, by the way. Not yeah. a guarantee that they would make it there. A whole bunch of yeah. them that didn't make it. And we're going to show that justification, absolute guarantee. Yeah. Sanctification with your own participation is a guarantee if you endure and persevere to the end of receiving the inheritance of glorification. But if you don't participate, what I will guarantee, the Lord says, is I will guarantee that you'll be sanctified, but I don't guarantee that you will receive the inheritance mm -hmm. or the level of inheritance that you could have. And we're gonna show you these. They were gonna show you these verses. And so again, on their way to the promised land, you had several people at different times, his children that he already saved, okay? That was guaranteed. They were already his people and they were already yep. not in Egypt anymore. They were already out. Right? Even though they wanted yep. to go back. We have we have a people here. <laughs> Why did we leave? Yeah, that are on it's their so way to here. a much better place. Yeah. And that needs to be their motivation. It needs to be their motivation to to be in the wilderness and stop complaining. Mm -hmm. Stop committing the sins of Egypt. Okay, stop, stop having sexual relations with the tribes that they're coming, that they're, that they're going through the wilderness meeting. Okay, mm -hmm. and they need to be a holy people, separate, called out, God's people. And he wants to take them through this process of becoming the holy people that he intended. Mm -hmm. But they didn't make it. A lot of them didn't make it. Only a couple made it with those under the age of 21. And so we're going to, Paul brought this up as an example. Mm -hmm. He uses twice. This is an example for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and because most of them didn't please God in the wilderness. And so they lost out on something. Mm -hmm. This is where people get really confused about they salvation. Were, right. They were freed, right? But they, but they didn't receive the ultimate prize, if you will, the ultimate desire, the ultimate guarantee, I don't know, mm -hmm. the ultimate inheritance, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. The ultimate promise. Well, like in Galatians, he said, don't, don't use your freedom as a excuse for your flesh mm -hmm. to sin and displease God. Yeah. So then, then, mm -hmm. and then, so the ultimate promise was the promised land, a land of milk and honey for the people out of Egypt, right? And that is part three of salvation. That's or the third part of salvation. That's glorification, right? That's what they were working. The the ones who came out of Egypt, the Old Testament story. That's 
they were working towards glorification. Yeah. Right? The glory of living in a land of milk and honey. And like you and I have said throughout our other podcasts, it's the glory of receiving what we lost in the garden. Mm-hmm. It's the glory, the glory of what we died to, we got separated from. We got separated from intimacy with our God. We got separated from the privileges of having rulership and dominion and, and having the garden with all of its fruit and trees and beauty and, and, and location. And so all those things were taken away from us, and we've been trying to get them back ever since. Mm-hmm. And in Christ... Well, we've been, yeah, we've been trying to get them back. And honestly, what I like, what I prefer to look at it, that he's been trying, God's been trying to give it back to us, right? I mean, everything that he's done, everything he did with Abraham, with Noah, Abraham, you know, David, each step all the way even, and especially to Christ, has been trying to, to get us back. Mm-hmm. Right, if if and if if our son, if our child, daughter, what it doesn't matter, right, left the family, you know, walked away from, you know, obe- disobeyed to a point where they couldn't be a part of our family anymore. You still love them and you want them back, mm. right? You want them prodigal back, son, right? And that's the story of the prodigal mm-hmm. son, right? Mm-hmm. Please come back. Right. Right. I get it that you were impetuous and you left and, mm-hmm. you know, we've all been, we've all been teenagers and at least, you know, for you and I, we both raised through teenagers mm-hmm. and, you know, and you mess up and that then, but I want you back. And that's what all of this has been is here's something that a way to get you back. It was, Hey, here's, you know, and well, no coach wants to lose their players. Mm-hmm. They're on the team. The players don't show up to practice. They have a bad attitude. They're going through issues in their life. The coach tries to get them back, mm-hmm. tries to warn them. The coach tries to inspire them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and whether or not they listen they is up to will, them. Right? It's yeah, their free will, free will mm-hmm. to determine. And it's the same thing with the Israelites in the desert. And it's the same thing with us. Mm-hmm as we go through the process of sanctification with Christ. We can participate so, in the Spirit or not. Right. So the, so the thing that we lack, or the thing that we that we forget, or the, maybe I, I know, I'm trying to write the friend that writes, the thing that we're not presented so much with, right, is what's that motivation mm-hmm. for us to run this race, right? Mm-hmm. That's And that's really the part that, you know, when I, when I accepted Christ twenty, you know, thirty some odd years ago and stuff, and like, you know, this is it. It's done. Mm-hmm. We're, we're over. This is this is easy. This mm-hmm. is this. There's that didn't seem right to me, right? And mm-hmm. and we're presented with that idea that you know it's a one and done. You got your get out of hell free card, and yeah. there's nothing else for you to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll I'll attribute it to my Type A personality that I want to work for something, mm-hmm. and but really. You know, I understand certainly that nothing worth having is 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 going to be easy to have, mm-hmm. right? So there has to be some level of effort made to to something. And yeah. I didn't see that effort in that the notification of effort in the traditional church, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so where you were where you were being trained, your coach 
okay, pastor that was supposed to be shepherding and helping guide you, uh, gave you a no motivation in your teaching that you were receiving mm -hmm. to to pursue a goal yeah. in in the Christian life. And so it just depends on where you went to your church. Mm -hmm. And that's why we brought up those three predominant styles of yeah. Christian churches. And there are degrees of all of that. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, one of the things that we want to show you is how God deals with threes. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the way that he's designed salvation in three parts we're going to, Robert and I want to take you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 right now and read you something that is very compelling. It's very compelling in what we're um, teaching you right now. And it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That means set you apart completely. To sanctify means to set apart. It can be a sanctifying work which is what we're talking about, being cleansed, being set apart from sin, and continuing to mature, okay? And in this, may he sanctify you completely. Notice that that's a journey. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, Paul um, says the same things to all the churches, and he's, and he's reminding them, that this is a journey and that you are on your way to this one particular point in hit in time when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to judge his people okay and so this is how the ball game is always presented and so notice three parts of of our makeup our spirit, soul, and body. There are three parts to this salvation road. Okay, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Mm -hmm. So the spirit was justified at the moment we were reborn, reborn in the spirit. This is spiritual birth. This is huge to understand that you've been justified and reborn as a child of God. That is a one and done deal. That was based on our one-time commitment of faith in the person of Jesus Christ based on his work for us. Now we have the soul. And you're going to notice that this whole sanctification process, this journey in the wilderness, is a soul journey of taking out the admixture of our will the admixture of our um, emotions and the admixture of our um, mind, renewing our mind, our thinking, our bad stinking thinking is what my coach used to say. Okay, And so it is. It is a soul cleansing and it's also a soul salvation because even at the end, you're either going to hear well done, okay, which is a saving comment to your soul it's what we want to hear mm -hmm. that's what you need to be racing for in order to hear that comment because you don't want to hear the other comment from the one who saved you mm -hmm. okay and so 
this is becomes current present tense salvation and then the body the body is glorification to receive that immortal body to receive that glorified body to be given the inheritance into the kingdom to reach the promised land and be allowed to come in and inherit that land is going to be the significant motivation for us to continue the hard, difficult, narrow road of sanctification. And and of like an athlete, I'm telling you guys, you want that you want that uh, prize at the end of the season. Okay, we want to be sitting on that podium at the end. Okay, and so that's motivation for y'all right now to put all you've got into it. And so again, this is way Paul is going to try to motivate the church. Okay, it's all you've got. Strive, endure, persevere, you know, run, run. Okay, and, and you need to understand that this is the motivational teaching that we get in the church. That's what we're supposed to be getting. And we've lost a, we've lost a lot of that because of different types of teaching. And so we want to bring that back to you guys. And so that's a three-part understanding yeah. of, of um, being sanctified. Also want to show you how this, all three parts, are the work of the Holy Spirit that, had, that Jesus promised would come. And he said, no, you, you, you want me to go. Or the helper won't come. Right. And, and, and again... And you want the helper. You, he knew that we couldn't do it without the helper. Sure. And so this, this actually comes from uh, John 16, 7 and 8. So Robert's going to pull up John 16, 7 and 8. And I'm just going to start reading it. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage I go away, because if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convince or convict mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Three things. And one thing that is really important, in this road of salvation, the Trinity is in operation. All three parts. God, the Son, and the Spirit. And we're going to see all parts that they have to play in this process. What's the, um, what's the simple definition of righteousness? You, you hear righteousness just, you know, mm -hmm. you, you, I see the word righteousness and I hear it with a southern accent. We in righteousness, yeah. right? And it just, mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the biblical, what's the simple Greek definition? Yeah, so the simple definition is right living. And that means that we are in right relationship with God following his commandments, his teachings, his statutes, what he has told us to live by okay. as his people. So 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 really so yeah, so so just just simply we're doing what what Christ what God expected us to do. Yeah, what he people, taught us to do. What he taught us to do. His yeah. teaching is the whole reason we were to go and assemble so that we could receive the work of the Holy Spirit in reminding us, teaching us, uh, manifesting the gifts that were meant to build us up and to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. 
it was meant to bring us further down the road of mm -hmm. sanctification, closer to our goal, glorification. As Paul said, striving for the call of the upward prize. Mm -hmm. Okay, And this is a goal that he wanted to achieve, Paul himself wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. And he is asking the church to go after it as well. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we're talking about the 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 helper comes and he's going to convince the world of three things sin sin is dealt with at the cross it's dealt with when we accept Christ and are justified mm -hmm. we're convicted because of our sin and our need for a savior okay and we understand that the only savior is Jesus He's the only one that proved himself as the Lamb of God and rose again. So he's the one who's offering a solution, and the Spirit came to convince us of that. That's stage one. Remember, first part of salvation. Mm -hmm. Stage two is righteousness. Mm -hmm. He came to lead us into right living. Right living. Mm -hmm. Okay, pleasing God. Okay, um, getting rid of the admixture washing one another's feet, teaching and admonishing one another so that we will continue in the faith, mm -hmm. helping one another run this race faithfully is the deeds of righteousness. Go do the works that you have been called to do. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, yeah, we're going to get into, you know, we're, we're going to drive into the second word, that right living, the righteousness mm -hmm. as sanctification. Yeah. Um, and the way this is going, guys, we're, this is going to be a multi-part episode. So I want to concentrate, you know, a little bit on, you know, for the next, you know, few minutes, 10 minutes or so on the justification passages. Mm -hmm. And then we'll wrap that up and, and then and then peel that into... Uh, a part two where we'll really dive into the sanctification part of it because that's the part really that is you know is the, is, there's a lot of really good discussions in there and stuff and I I already know we're going to blow a timeline uh, for an episode on on this so I'm just going to pre-plan it now right right so right. absolutely um, and just to finish our point yeah but to finish out the point yeah then, right and then judgment right so judgment that when the Spirit came to convince us of judgment as well, which is the hope for glory, which is the idea of Jesus came to judge the living and the dead, which is what the apostles preached in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end of, the, of Revelation, you know, the judge is coming and his recompense is coming with him to give back to everybody for what they did, whether good or bad. And so again, you have an understanding of being prepared for the judgment. Are you prepared? Did you participate in sanctification? Did you run a faithful race? Are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready for Jesus to sit you down on the judgment seat, on the Bema seat of Christ? This is the idea of the end of the season. And so this is what's at stake, guys. And so when we look at um, justification. We are going to pull up a couple verses. Uh, there will be more on the website that we have that you can look up. 
and we encourage you to do that. But justification can be best seen in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Remember, we're talking about past tense, something that has already been performed. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Okay, that's past tense. Mm -hmm. We have been. Talking to believers. Mm Mm-hmm. Talking to people who have already placed their faith in Jesus. Everything. Blanket statement. Yep. Everything we're going to talk about applies to believers, not mm-hmm. the, the the non-converted, not the... Not the... Not the non... Unregenerate, right. unborn. Unrepentant. That's right. Un- what we call unbelievers. Yep. However you want to define yep. it. That's right. These are the people who may or may not know about Christ, mm-hmm. uh, about about God, mm-hmm. but have it not decided to accept, you know, haven't absolutely accepted him, right? So blanket statement, yep. everything we're talking about, everything that's really, everything that's in the Bible is for the follower of God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so in another good way to remember this, justification is Jesus, J and J. Yeah. Okay. Sanctification is the spirit. And then glorification comes from God. And so you actually have the Holy Trinity in all three parts of salvation that that end up being the emphasis on all three parts. Yeah. So in this, Jesus gave us justification by his blood. Mm-hmm. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained. So now there's an also. Access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So Paul's going to tell us in several places that grace is the power to run this race. Mm-hmm. Notice the word race in the word grace. Okay, so grace is the power now to run a faithful race by the power of the Holy Spirit. You guys need to know this. Okay, and so he goes into great lengths in Romans 6, the next chapter, to tell us this. Okay. But again, we have a third part, even in this part right here, even in this same verse, in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of what? Glory of God. Glory. See? Glorification. Glorification. We have a hope of glory. And this is what's at stake with racing well. Yeah. So just to point out the what I think is obvious, but may not be to some folks are the three tenses in this, Mm -hmm. right? And the future tense and lack of guarantees in hope, Mm. right? Mm. Hope is not Mm. a strategy. Hope is not a guaranteed outcome. And hope is something that by faith and by Mm -hmm. action we then achieve. But it's not, there's no, there's no, absolute words in the in that part of the statement right well i can't tell you how many people have done gymnastics to try to uh guarantee this hope that it's not dependent on anything and we're going to show you verse after verse where it is absolutely the warnings given to the church by every single apostle that they give the warning that this can be forfeited, you can be cut off, 
that you can be lost in this and that this can absolutely not be achieved. And so in this in this one verse alone, you can see what what it's, Robert mentioned. It's got it all, right? It's, Justification is in the past tense. Yep, it's done. The right? no act, argument from yeah, anybody. That's right. No, it's done. Right. It's finished work. Right. The the access by faith that we have in this grace is in the present tense. Mm-hmm. And then the hope of glory is future, that we actually have all three of these presented just in this one verse, let alone what we're going to show you. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to lose that, but yeah. we're going to just hit justification again, and yeah. we're going to go to Ephesians. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 10, or 8 and 9 in particular. We'll, we'll look at another popular verse that is uh, very well known, and I, I believe the main verse that people uh, stick to uh, for justification. And so we're going to read it here. It says, uh, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. And we have a, a perfect example of past tense salvation. Mm-hmm. And so the idea you, of yeah, you already have, having been justified. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we want to we want to focus on the word saved. Mm-hmm. We want to look at that in the concordance and just remind our listeners that the word saved is a generic word throughout the Bible. It doesn't necessarily contextually. Uh, mean the same thing. It means the same thing, but it's not applied the same way. So as Robert pulls that up, uh, you'll see the usage uh, to save, heal, preserve, rescue, and then you'll look under the helps and properly to deliver out of danger and into safety. Used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin and into his provisions. So again, let's just take that as a general understanding of the word saved, and then contextually understand what we're being saved or delivered from. So there's usually two aspects to salvation. There's usually a being saved from something, mm-hmm. and then being delivered to something different. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, uh, Jesus Christ and the Lamb of God has provided his blood to save us from the judgment and into the wilderness, that's what happened in Egypt, and we've explained that. Mm -hmm. So he has saved us um, from the penalty. This is justification, saved from the power, which is sanctification and saved from the presence of sin which is ultimate glorification and so we have the three p's present there um in that understanding of three parts of salvation uh the penalty the power and the presence and so that's been fairly popular in some of the teachings out there as well and so we're we're showing that paul Paul loves to to look at things 
somewhat holistically as well. Mm -hmm. He'll marry uh, a couple ideas together. Yeah, Paul likes to uh, to pull together uh, multiple ideas into a single sentence. I mean, the, I think the man is probably the king of commas. And uh, mm -hmm, yeah. so, you know, so in, in Ephesians uh, 2 that we were on is a great example of that, right? Yeah, so we'll see the, actually, verse 10, that he marries together another idea. So, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do. So, he talks first about the grace that has saved us, mm -hmm. and then he speaks of the grace that will motivate us to do the work that god has saved us for yeah and so he marries together a present tense understanding of why we were saved mm -hmm. well we were saved for god's handiwork yeah. and we were saved for good works and, and so yeah contextually it, it it's uh it's really important to identify that as we're going through the different tenses of salvation Right, because these same topics come up over and over again, and in different ways, and it's easy to confuse those uh, verses and take them out of context. So I'm I'm hoping that this example brings some clarity to that. So you'll think of that when you read other passages and other books of the Bible, and we have our articles online that you can take a look at as well. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, you know, we've had and I, we've discussed it a little bit in the past and I know we've got an episode that we're going to have coming up on it is this whole idea of faith by works and salvation by works. And we're actually going to talk about it here coming up in this next episode. There's actually two stages of this here that Paul mentions, right? We were, we've been saved, we were justified and there's no works involved in that justification. There's no, you've been justified you've been saved by the gift of god for christ died on the cross for our sins and it's done we don't have to do anything other than accept him uh as our lord and savior to change that uh or to make that happen nothing it was nothing that we did and then what we're going to talk about in the next episode though was that we were saved by him for a reason and that reason is to grow in him and to to experience the life that he god originally designed for us or to try to, ex to experience the life that god originally designed for us and that's what we're going to talk about in the next mode in the next episode of you know when we talk about sac sanctification or that we are being saved right yeah that 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 is true and the hard part is is that the word saved is used in every instance and so when you see that word saved like i did when i was first reading the bible and first coming to my understanding of what god's will was in in the scriptures and being preached is basically you know, when I read the word saved, no matter where it was, I always had the notion that it was saved from hell and 
and being given heaven. So I had always made that in my mind, it, it, no matter what passage it was, no matter mm -hmm. what book it was that I read the word saved in, I always went there. And so because of that, it created quite a bit of contradiction and quite a bit of confusion um, in the warnings to the church and in you know the paradigm of salvation. And it just seemed that the Bible was contradicting itself and that something was off. And so this is where we're hopefully bringing some clarity to the word saved because it, it give you some context here. We were saved, we were delivered, we were rescued mm -hmm. out of our predicament, which was being taken captive by Satan to do his will. And, and we were under that judgment. And so we were slaves to sin. And then Jesus comes in and he applies his blood and he uh, uh, offers a way out through him. And so we accept that blood and we're removed from that other kingdom of darkness. And he places us as a citizen, as a child of God into the kingdom of light. And now he says, okay, you've been delivered. You've been delivered from that situation. And now I've placed you in a new situation. You're a new creation in me now. And so now I'm going to save you from the power and the effects of your old life, your old sinful self, your old sinful life, all your habits, everything that you've been trained to uh, follow your fleshly desires. I'm going to now remove the power of that in your life, and I'm going to deliver you from, from that state of living. I'm going to deliver you into a state of living righteously for God. Okay, so now that salvation becomes a different understanding of salvation. Yep. And that's what we're calling sanctification. And then he ultimately says this, then I'm going to offer a deliverance from your state of being just a child of God. And I want to deliver you into a kingdom promise that is available to you. And that promise is to receive uh, rulership and reigning and privileges and lands and intimacy and the best, you know, positions that I have mm -hmm. called glorification. And that will be um, contingent upon how well you ran the race of, of salvation, sanctification, and so we want to show that as the warnings of not receiving something, not as going back into the kingdom of darkness for all eternity, um, because the work of Jesus has, has already performed the saving work of justification. And now we are in the midst of the wilderness going to the promised land. So just as a reminder, that's where we are, and our next episode will capitalize on the word sanctification. Awesome. So we're going to go from having been saved to being saved in the next episode, guys. Thank you so much. We're going to wrap it up here for uh, sitting with us for the last hour or so. Um, we pray that it has been valuable for you and uh, that it has opened up your eyes to some things. Um, 
Keith and I are available via uh, email um, at info at race to the kingdom.org, or you can post comments on um, the YouTube site and we will respond there as well. Uh, we really do want to encourage you to interact and to engage with us. And more than anything, we want to encourage you to be your own Berean. We encourage you to not just take our word for this stuff, but to go out and hopefully these ideas, these concepts um, cause you to go out and look at your own research, create your own um, concordance, you know, get, get used to the concordance. Look at, uh, there's, there's truckloads of YouTube videos out there. Um, we are not the only guys on YouTube, that's for sure. Uh, and, you know, again, but be careful, right? You're going to get, you know, I've always found that getting, you know, a, a liberal view and a conservative view and usually somewhere in between is, you know, the edge of the coin, right? And so, you know, the Bible is where it's all written down. That's the, the only documented, you know, God didn't produce any, any directly produce any YouTube videos, but he did produce the Bible. So mm. dig into it. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. If you have an opportunity to give us reviews and, and, and five-star ratings, that helps others find the podcast. And please share it with your friends via email or, you know, word of mouth and stuff so we can uh, continue to get this message out and uh, bring back the about the end of the age. Again, thank you for viewing, and we'll, uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks again, everybody.